Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I'm Peter Kafka. And thanks for listening to Recode Replay. This is one of the sessions from our 2017 Code Conference. We're going to let you hear it in just a second for free. You're welcome. But before we do that, we want to plug another conference. Okay, fine, if you insist. I must, I must. You must Um, insist. If you like this event, there's a very good chance you're going to like Code Media 2018. February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. 2018. I can't believe it's next year. Next year. Absolutely. Save the date. Peter and I will both be there, which means it's going to be a fantastic event. I've been to all of them and I have learned things. I would actually pay for them, Peter. We may charge you this year. Uh, One more time. That's Code Media 2018. It's like this event, but it's in 2018. February 12th and 13th. Go to events.recode.net for all the deets, as the kids say. As the kids say. Thanks, Peter. See ya. Ruth Peratt. CFO of Google, Ruth. Um, no suit, I like it. I, like the I whole know, thing going. it's one of the other great parts about being out here. Yeah, right, exactly. So let's start in on uh, what you do. Because I think one of the things about Google, especially with Alphabet, not, it's not your CFO of Alphabet and Google? Correct. Is, correct, okay. I have no idea who's running the place. So can you just give us a sense? Um, because as uh, Google is the black box of all black boxes. And so when you did this reorganization, it's a little confusing who's running things. And I think when I talk to some people at Google, similarly, they're like, we're not, how it works. Now explain for the people who's running, Google, who's running Alphabet and then Google. Yeah, not so complicated. Okay. Uh, when we set it up, Larry's indicated that Sundar is CEO of Google. He has his Google leads and we have intense focus within Google. Um, he spends still a lot of time with Larry, mm-hmm. and Larry, Sergey, Eric, David, and I spend a lot of time on the other bets as well, as we mm-hmm. call them, the other companies mm-hmm. distinct from Google. And what we've done is put a lot of governance and process around the other bets, but in particular, the founders are spending time on the opportunities within each of them. So what does that mean on a day-to-day? Who is like, who do you, like, I don't even know what to call, who to call it Alphabet. Like, who is, like, I can call Reed Hastings, I understand. Travis, I understand, like, all the things. Who, who, do you run it day-to-day, or does David Drummond, or, I, I Sergey's windsurfing somewhere, I'm certain. But what, what do you, what do you, who does run it from day-to-day? So Larry's the CEO, Sergey is very involved, and one of the super cool things that we've put in place with the other bets is actually on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. we're going through reviews of each of the various other bet businesses. It's kind of like a board review with right. the other bets. And I think what's been really effective is, the, as, as we said when we set it up, and the hope was that we would have a much greater level of focus within each of those, really backing great CEOs, but mm-hmm. providing the guidance and um, and, and effort that was needed to make sure that we were building some great businesses a- across this other bet portfolio. So how do you interact together and make decisions? Is Larry makes decisions, or how do you interact with Larry Page? I mean, what? Well, he's that? extraordinary. I mean, I think one of the most amazing things I've seen over many years, and I, you know, for me, the opportunity to get to be at this company is something um, I didn't believe would happen. When it first came up, I was at Morgan Stanley talking to Bill Campbell, spending a couple hours actually in his, in his home, and he, uh, and the one thing I said I knew I never wanted to do was be CFO again, cause, okay. and his comment after a couple hours was, well, you should, uh, you should really be CFO of Google, and I had gone back a long way with Google, and um, just watching what Larry and Sergey have done, creating this extraordinary culture, 
to me, was what made it so uh, such an you know an incredible magnet. A great so why did you say yes to that? Besides, Bill Campbell's very persuasive. Was well, he is persuasive. But you know, I had first invested in Google in '98, mm-hmm. and then worked on the IPO and was a buyer thereafter. And I, I really believe in what the founder set up, and I believe in the mission, and felt that we were on this mission to change so many things that improves lives for billions, the mission of the company, and it was an extraordinary time and opportunity to be there. So when you came in, everyone, they, they didn't say adult supervision because that was Eric, that was the last era, but they said the person who's going to put a stop to all the craziness. Like they, they, and, and what's interesting is when you came in, you quickly got the name, I don't know if you know you have this nickname within Google, but it's Ruth Vader. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, because cutting costs, you're the one that drops the hammer uh, for Larry on things like that. Um, can you talk about that? Because the idea that, that has grown. I think you're, you must be aware of that idea that you're kind of put the kibosh on crazy moonshot ideas. And I want to get into those moonshot ideas and the other, other bets. Cause, and we'll get into Google's business itself because that's the driver of all the revenue. Um, but it, was that your job to, like, Larry says, kill that and don't. Don't blame me, Ruth, you do it, kind of thing, or what? So whenever I'm asked he says about this, well, Ruth, I <laughs> whenever I'm asked about expenses, my first answer is we have been and remain committed to long-term growth. And I think just to be focused on expenses really misses what makes the company great, which is innovation. And uh, we remain very committed to innovation and are making some very bold investments um, to support the growth areas that we've laid out. And so that foremost is where we spend our time, which is what are the big bets within Google and what are the bets that we're, we're looking at within the various companies. We call other bets. We've been really clear about what those are. Machine learning is a really important area, as is what we're doing with the cloud, what we're doing in hardware, the YouTube subscription opportunity, and then a, a host of things in the other bet world from self-driving cars to some really exciting work in life sciences. Right. That's the most important. Now, as I've often said, I don't think that's inconsistent mm-hmm. with being respectful of the resources that one's using and prioritizing where we want to put those resources. Mm-hmm. They're complementary. I don't think they're mutually so exclusive. So does, how does it work, say, when you're deciding that not so much on this one? You, you guys have identified cloud. You've identified right. YouTube subscriptions. You've identified Verily, I think, very clearly. It was very spendy over there. How do you go, eh, Google Fiber, we're going to pull back on. We're going to pull back on... Nest, perhaps. We're going to pull back on other things. Who, how does that go through that? Who decides that? And again, you do get a lot. You hear stories about you. You get a lot of the blame. Oh, that Ruth. And I'm always like, you're a bunch of sexists. It's the dudes at top that are doing it. But the fact of the matter is, you're seen as the one who makes those. So my view has been that the most valuable thing for leaders to have is clear data mm-hmm. about everything they're doing, and then you can make better decisions. In fact, I was quoting Eric's book while I was still at Morgan Stanley, having no idea I would get the opportunity to be at Google, where he said, anchor every decision in data and the rest will follow. And I believe firmly that when you're working with extraordinary leaders, which I am, if I provide them with data that provides greater transparency, they're going to make choices. And that's what we've been doing. One of the big things that we did is push down expenses to the various product areas. We got a lot greater visibility by having Google as one. Who's spending what? Who's spending what? Google is one area. And then within each of the other bets, what are we spending? One of the very important elements is we said, you know, this stock-based comp thing, 
which a lot of tech companies mm-hmm. kind of push to the side, and you just look at non-GAAP, it's a real expense. expense. Yeah. Let's put it into the I think P&L. most people are aware of that, but Silicon Valley and, people, but go it, ahead. And, and it's actually valuable, because all of a sudden you're looking at your business saying, okay, I'm using this much to, to develop these areas. This is where I want to do it. How do I stack rank what I'm doing? But it can't come from, in my view, the CFO. It really needs to be the CFO working with your business leaders and providing them with the data so they can make the best decisions. And once you actually get them to have that insight into what resources are they using, how do they best want to prioritize, and what can be self-funded, you can then ask yourself the question, how much more needs to be funded? And so it's really about data. All right, but do you use, like, that's you're sort of like a White House chief of staff in a lot of, not this particular one, but, um, but, but, but you, how you give them the data that will give them, did you have a thought, cl- really, cloud is where we should go, and maybe not so much with the invisibility cloak, or what? What, it, what is the? Uh, I think cloud is pretty self-evident. It's one of the most extraordinary opportunities to mm-hmm. come around in our lifetime, um, and it's, we're uniquely, I think, situated with course, the yeah. engineering strengths that we have, whether it's our efficiency of our technical infrastructure, our data security, our data analytics, and then very importantly, machine learning, and then our uh, G Suite set of apps. So you look at it and say, okay, this is a sizable opportunity. It's moving quickly. I came from a world that I would say was somewhat skeptical mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, but now you're seeing the pace of move to the cloud accelerating. Right. And so if we're not investing now, we're going to rue the day that we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are investing meaningfully. So it's, you know, again, I, I said data. One thing that's important is taking a multi-year look at what are these opportunities? Right. What's the scale of the addressable market? How are we positioned? What about innovation just for innovation's sake? I mean, Mark last night talked about experimentation, and Google is famous for that. Like, mm-hmm. the, they were doing the wind kites. They were doing, there was some barge going on on San Francisco Bay. The Google Glass was a big, splashy kind of thing. Um, you have so much money. Why not just say, what the hell? Just go for it, and kombucha for everybody. Like, why not? <laughs> like, why? So I think one of the, one of the many uh, really smart things that the founders did is they've always been very intentional about innovation. It's mm-hmm. not just about getting great talent to mm-hmm. Google, now Alphabet. It's about things like the 20% time where you right. go off and you, you, you can explore things if it makes sense. Which you has know. changed. No, you still have 20% time. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's where Gmail came from. That's where our VR efforts mm-hmm. came from. We then went to X. And X still exists. X is one of the other bets, and there's a lot of innovation and experimentation and moonshots going on within X. And I think the third iteration of this being intentional about innovation is the creation of Alphabet. Because, again, it's, it said, let's get focus around Google and stake out some really big bets that we're going to make there. And we've consistently said some of our biggest bets are in Google. And let's make sure we've got the right focus and governance around all of these others. So it's a form of ensuring we're intentional about innovation, that we're not just getting comfortable doing what we're doing, that we're actually pushing people to try and experiment with new things. Again, doing that doesn't mean you just spray everywhere. And I think one of the other very important mantras at Alphabet is that investing too little can be as counterproductive as investing too much. You want people to stay scrappy and lean and entrepreneurial and really hungry and driven to explore different ways to do things. So let's talk about the others for a minute, and then I want to get to Google itself uh, in the remaining time. Nest, what is happening to that? Is that going to be pulled back into Google itself, or is it still its own entity? So Nest is one of the other bets, mm-hmm. and it's a, really, it's a great example of the work we did in 2016, a lot of which was shaping the other bet entities to 
set them up so that they could actually have a great run. And they have a strong product roadmap. Um, I talk about them every quarter. We're really pleased with what they're doing. And so they're continuing to expand globally, expand, expand the product suite. We have found areas where it's efficient to work with the Google hardware team, mm -hmm. but they're a separate entity within other. You websites. imagine because again, lost their leader there, lost the lost whatever happened. You know, there's. I think that we've evolved the business. Okay, there. all right, nice, well done, Ruth, well done. Thank you. Um, uh, same thing with fiber, another so, leader. Moved, yeah, no pulled, fiber. It seems like you pull back. I, fiber, we've been very clear. We we have pulled back. We we looked at the uh, the you know the approach we were taking. We said there's got to be a better way through technology mm -hmm. to meaningfully enhance both deployment and delivery, mm -hmm. and we want to pause what we're doing to see how much we can do with technology before we ramp what we're doing again. Mm -hmm. And just to continue plowing through without pausing when you say, you know what, the, the cost, embedded cost here, it doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, this isn't going to be kind of the transformative play that we believe. Let's spend the time, and Larry's spending a lot of time with the, the fiber team on that. We mm -hmm. brought in a great new leader from the industry, and we're excited about the work that they're doing. And so that was a pause. Mm -hmm. And then there are other areas that we've talked a lot about what we're doing, as you said, and Verily Life Science is really excited about. Which you seem to talk about. That's a big play for you, healthcare. Healthcare is, whether it's Verily or Calico or the work we're doing um, in our, our cloud business supporting uh, life science healthcare companies. Mm -hmm. You know, it cuts across a lot of different areas. We think machine learning as it relates to healthcare and life sciences is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, Sundar spoke about it at I.O. The ability to use machine learning, for example, to look at pathology reports, mm -hmm. we can analyze so much more data than even the best doctor can see. And so the effectiveness that we have applying machine learning in a lot of areas there, disease management, drug discovery, is opening, we think, so many really important A lot areas. more investment in Verily. Do you see that being one of those areas you want to expand into? Well, we're, we're excited about the pace of, um, of development there. We did, as, as you know, uh, sell a minority stake to Tomasic, raised mm -hmm. $800 million doing that. And we thought that made sense, A, because of their expertise in life sciences and be their presence in Asia. So that's helpful in the Verily business. Um, we're also really excited about the pace of, of, of what we're doing with Waymo, our self-driving mm -hmm. car business. And right. So Waymo, again, an area that you guys were early in, developed a lot of cars. There's a million autonomous car. And you have a huge investment in Uber at the same time um, and, and, other, and other places. And you're also suing Uber. Um, where does that go? So what's exciting for us about Waymo is, and, and what inspired the founders early on, was the, the opportunity to save lives. A million lives lost every year on the roads. Mm -hmm. The other really exciting element of it is we're transforming cities. The amount of resources that go into parking lots that can be used for something substantially mm -hmm. more meaningful, whether it's parks or just not having to put that money into parking spaces when you're not using your car. So it's, in our view, a real positive. Um, we have invested there in, in safety and have been, in our view, you know, quite far ahead of others in safety, and so we're now doing our pilot. In Will France. you be making cars? Do you imagine that? Well, at this point, we're teamed up with um, FCA, Fiat Chrysler, mm -hmm. and we've indicated clearly that we're not just going to work with them, that we're open to working with other so OEMs. the software of the car. And so uh, that's working well for us. That's right. And the lawsuit, who made that decision? To sue someone you've invested in and, 
and obviously this is a very Google well, doesn't do that. That we much. don't. Um, I, I, I talked to so interestingly. I talked to someone at Google. I'm not going to tell you who. Um, and I said, "You never sue," and they said, "We never sue." And I said, "You usually pay people off, even if you don't like them, and like a lot. Like, and you sort of paid him off a little bit." And I and I go, "But you never sue," and they go, "We never sue." And I said, "And you sued," and they said, "We sued." So it was that was like that's a code for this is unprecedented. So um, what, where do you look at that? Uh, well, we never sue. So when we do sue, <laughs> when we do sue, um, it, you, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's so, it's in our view so compelling. We don't have an option but to sue. Mm-hmm. And where do you, where would you like that to turn out? Um, the right way. <laughs> it's a legal case, so I'm going to leave it at that. But uh, we think that you you're know, going to press on with. We're going to yeah, we're going to press on. It was um, in our view there was only one right path, and as you said, we don't do this often. Yeah, I see that. Um, last couple of questions around Google itself. What do you think the biggest challenge is? Google pays for everything. It pays for all your nice campus and all these moonshots and everything else, pretty much. Right. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Yes, That's yes. A yes. Um, what is the challenge you think Google faces or Amazon, the search on Amazon? We, we talked to Phil Schindler about that, the, and he was like, oh, it's not a problem in German. Um, it, it's a problem. Is it or not? Are you worried about search and other things? This is what's paying for all the rest of it. And how does that evolve from your point of view? Because as much as you put money into cloud and everything else, it's still not going to make up the difference. So two parts. Um, you know, first, the way, the way I look at it is I, I think of our growth as sort of three crests. And so mm-hmm. your point's very well taken in this first crest, what's going on with search and ads. Mm-hmm. We still think it's very early days. And what machine learning can do for our business um, continues to be really exciting. We talked, Mary talked about the assistant and you what that minds. means. You've, you've made huge investments. And, you know, to become ever more useful to to users, to become ever more useful to advertisers, to unlock local ad budgets, which you know haven't actually been there, to see more of the ad dollars coming online. But the ability to do voice search, to do image search, I mean, we're just in the, in the very early days, very exciting. You know, at YouTube, 80% of the music video watch time comes from our recommendations engine. That's, again, mm-hmm. using machine learning. And when you think about what a large percentage of ad dollars are still offline, notwithstanding the fact that the majority of viewers are online and increasingly so, we think there's a tremendous opportunity. So we're investing meaningfully both in machine learning to support that, but also in growing out the YouTube subscription business. And then the second wave, as you, you know, you're, you're right, is kind of a longer term, but we're f- in terms of the profitability, but really important. Um, what we what we see as the opportunity with cloud and with our, how how do you assess the Amazon threat? You've got you. I don't. I do not search on Google anymore for commerce. I just don't. And I did. So you know, I think that this kind of that question has come up in a over the years. It came up when the question was, what happens with apps? Does that mean search goes away? Right. And so um, we the majority of shopping is still offline. Um, there is still a tremendous amount of search that is being conducted. So they're a, no question, very active, formidable competitor. We've got a lot of competitors in a lot of areas and a lot of competitors that are coming from other parts of the world. But we feel uh, that we're continuing to, to deliver what users want and what advertisers want. And that's what's always been driving the business. So what do you think the biggest risk to, risk to Google's business is? Again, being, yeah, I think, being money bags over there. Well, being money bags, I think the biggest risk is, is complacency and not in, in innovating and not investing 
substantially to continue to evolve what the user experience is and evolve the opportunity for advertisers. If you have this much of the ad dollars still offline, what is it that advertisers need to see and want to see? What is it with measurement tools? What is it with, um, with local dollars? And so it's really continuing to support the kinds of investments we are. And then on competitors, how, you all were focused a lot on Facebook for a while. With, before you got there, I think more it was social and stuff like that. You've kind of given that up, correct? Is that the social, becoming the social Google? Well, we each have our own variants on it. So we're doing more, no question, within YouTube to really t bring in the community. And community is important. But not Google's focus. Uh, they do it their way. OK. All right. Um, last question I'm going to ask is about the Google salary. Right. Why will not you pay $100,000, whatever? Why will you, you won't give this information to uh, the federal government? So I think what you're asking about is the Department of Labor has um, been, it, through their federal contracting office, is um, doing an audit about gender pay equity. We are right. very committed to gender pay equity. Mm -hmm. We've done a ton of data analysis and looked at, um, at job families and levels and on, based on that have said... Including equity, because that's really... Including equity, absolutely, full comp. And based on all of the analysis, are very comfortable, confident, saying we we've, don't have a gender pay equity. Well, yeah. I'm so glad for you to say that, but why not release it? And so we have given the Department of Labor hundreds of thousands of records, millions of data pieces of data. Mm -hmm. And the lawyers at this point are saying, you know, this next round of requests is actually looking for personal contact information from thousands of our employees. And our view is that uh, it's too much. And so, uh, you know, having given them hundreds of thousands of records and millions of data points, our view is that uh, they've got, they, they have what they need and we're leaving it with, with the lawyers. Well, if you have all this data proving this, why don't you put up a big splashy website explaining how great you are? I think we have. I mean, the way we've done I, no, our the actual number. I mean, you guys like data, right? I'm pretty certain right. you like data. I mean, so. the data we've we've looked at again looks across its its job, family level, performance rate, the whole host of things, and it's on that basis that. Have you ever thought of releasing that data to people to show this? Because because one of the arguments was we didn't want to pay for it. Is is that incorrect or the it's the the. The burden, it doesn't look great. Right? Yeah, no, I, look. The, it's, you know, it's like, I feel like you have $100,000 in your pocket right now, like, or something. <laughs> you know, like, just here, Kara. Look, the issue is the, the, the lawyers are viewing, in particular, mm -hmm. going into personal contact information for thousands of our employees. I think um, that is a, a, a really high bar for us, and that's a concern. And would Google consider actually putting up all the data just to say, look, we do? We've put up a ton of data and, you know. What about more? I, you're going to keep asking me the same All right, thing. okay, okay, all right. All right, questions for Ruth from the audience? John? Hi, Ruth. Uh, John Ford from CNBC. For me, one of the great mysteries of the past decade is why Google lags in the cloud despite its advantages in fiber, in data center, engineering, on and on. Uh, in, in your view, is this one of those cases of underinvestment, which you mentioned before, or is there a cultural issue that's led you to this point, and how do you solve it? I think there are two parts to it. Um, one is we historically ran our apps business and cloud business separately, and for quite some time we're looking to bring in a, a leader with enterprise experience to run the business, uh, and, and obviously have with Diane and are thrilled that she's running and leading the effort. And so as a result, we were late in bringing uh, the effort together. That being said, if you look at what it takes to have a successful cloud business, we have it. So it's you know an efficient technical infrastructure, it's the security, that we have, it's the data analytics, and very importantly, machine learning, and then our suite, our G Suite 
um, apps. And so we brought it under one roof. We have been late to invest, which is why we're investing meaningfully, in particular filling out our go-to-market efforts and our support. We're thrilled that we have um, this new relationship, strategic partnership with SAP. So Diane has been bringing in the pieces and has the full support of uh, all of us to make sure that we take, you know, kind of make up that gap given the importance of this market. And one thing Sundar, when I had lunch with him, he was talking about the idea that, you know, I was asking about why AWS got so far ahead. And he's like, well, we were using all our storage. And, you know, it was easy, but he did acknowledge that it was late. It was, it, it was, it's late and early in the sense that the market is still in the very, very early days. Um, yeah. And if we're talking about a trillion dollar market where companies are just starting to move online and will be moved to the cloud and will move to the cloud, uh, we, we've got a great opportunity we're excited about. Hey, you talked about fiber as one area where Google saw a need to pull back and did. What's one area where Google still needs to change itself, uh, where the company isn't yet where it needs to be, either Google or Alphabet? A pause? You mean a pause company or a pause? A pause or something where Google's either over-investing or not investing enough still? Well, we've laid out the growth areas and tried to be really clear about it because we think that Again, uh, making sure that we're investing substantially to sustain this type of long-term growth is the right thing to do. And it's very easy for companies not to. It's much easier to sort of kick the can down the road and not do that. Um, so machine learning, we were early. We're continuing to invest meaningfully. Um, we've already talked about the cloud. Hardware is another area which is very important. We're excited about how the Pixel was received and the early innings on home and we're continuing to expand that around the globe so you know that that's an important area um, and then YouTube subscription we think that what we're doing with original content uh, is is really valuable we're doing it in a you know a way that plays into our community of um, content creators and, and their followers uh, but at a much higher production value than we have previously so that's another area and then when you look into the other bets we're again we're being I think very careful not to overinvest or underinvest, but um, there's some exciting growth areas. Self-driving cars is, um, is, I think, transformative for lives in cities, as I said, but there are a lot of other areas within, within X. So those are the growth areas. Uh, you know, when you ask where else um, might we be investing, there, there are other things that we're doing, like the next billion users is an important initiative for us. Uh, we want to make sure that we're uh, we're, we're well positioned as we continue to expand around the globe. So we feel good about it. It's, we've been quite systematic kind of ticking through what are the areas that are important. And then the other key part of it is when we've stack ranked what we're doing, it's freed up resources as well. So for example, uh, we, we recently sold um, our satellite business out of our maps area. Terabella, and the, the basis for that was that there are too many great opportunities within maps. They don't need the distraction, and that's one of the, the elements. They don't need the distraction of this business. They can be a customer. And also, you're selling the robotics business. Um, that has been, um, you know, there, we don't comment on rumors. Um, we, we still have quite a bit of uh, robotics work that we're doing within X. You're not selling Boston Dynamics? Every, we don't comment on rumors. Well, you're selling Boston Dynamics. Go ahead. <laughs> My name is Richard Walpert. I'm the CEO of HelloTech, which is the illegitimate uh, love child of Uber and Geek Squad. And we're working with Google and Amazon and other companies. And going back to the Nest conversation, for us, what we found is it's really a huge separation between dealing with the Nest people and product line and the Google Home 
people in product line. So I'm wondering why those are still so separate, going even to Waze and Google Maps, which are still separate. Um, so that's one question. The second question is, as aggressive as Amazon's being with Alexa, do you guys feel like you're behind with Google Home? And what are you going to do to try and catch up? I think that's up? sort of the same thing. Shouldn't you bring it all together to well, so on Google kick Home, Alexa's ass or something? Yeah. So on, on Google Home uh, you know, and the Assistant, we think one of the most important elements for users is machine learning and the language capabilities, translation capabilities, the ability to go much deeper and provide um, you know, more, uh, more useful responses to queries. And we'll continue to benefit from that. And so we are investing meaningfully in home and expanding that throughout, throughout the globe. You'll see more of that. And again, um, we think one of the very important elements of voice search is that it may be voice in, but it's not necessarily voice out. And one of the areas where we also benefit is users live in a multi-device world. And sometimes voice in comes back as text back. You know, living room is the fastest growing area for YouTube video. So having this suite of products is, is um, something that is advantageous for us. And so we are continuing to build out the hardware line within Google. Nest is focused on a different set of products within the home. And just given the pace with, it, with each are moving, we think that level of focus um, for now makes, makes a ton of sense. So you feel the segregation is actually to your benefit? We look at it a lot. Like recently, we pulled together uh, YouTube music and play music. And you can say, at what point does it make sense you know, in, in the music area uh, to do that? And so we found that, that it did make sense to bring it in. We, our view is that Home is, is pursuing one path, and Nest is looking at a different set of products and go-to-market strategy. So uh, you know, at, th at this point, this is the right way. And we've got some great leaders leading both of the businesses. And last question, Ruth, you're from Wall Street? Do you miss Wall Street? No. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> but are you working on any large acquisitions you'd like to discuss with the group? Um, confidentially? Yeah, confidentially. Uh, so we, we don't comment on acquisitions. Um, the, look, the, the, the main thing is we do have a small pile of cash, and I think yeah. that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. Um, repatriated monies. And um, the main thing that we're, we've said is that the primary use for that is organic growth and acquisition growth. We've looked, we look at acquisitions all the time. We've done uh, some really important ones for us, YouTube and DoubleClick and mm -hmm. others. We came to us through acquisition, but we have a high bar. And mm -hmm. so the acquisitions- So you're not buying Twitter today? Well, the acquisitions that we've talked about have really, in particular, filled in holes in cloud. Okay. And that's been really valuable. But we're looking, you know, we look across the board. And I think the most important thing is to have a high bar. Just like your other question about why we don't just invest all over the place. It's um, you want to make sure that what you're doing makes sense. So Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank Re you. Correct. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. 